Welcome to Crossing Phase, a podcast where a Christian and a Muslim talk religion and politics. My name is Matt Hawkins. I'm a former policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention. And my friend John Pinna is founder and CEO of Muslims for Muslims, a recent nonprofit. And he also slings donuts in upstate New York when he's not talking to me on video. John, welcome true. back to the podcast. How you doing, bud? How's uh, grad school going? It's good. I survived my seminar week last week and uh, glad to be past it, but it was fun and interesting. It was covered about, we tried to cram 2,000 years of Christian political thought into uh, into into a one week, well, a semester term. But well, that's, that's pretty easy discussion. though. You guys don't, you guys as, as Protestants, you guys don't forget about the first 500 years. You guys don't even talk about that. So, no, and we- then- we engaged. We engage everybody, including we actually predate um, Christian thought. We start with uh, uh, the ancients. We start with a little bit of Plato and Aristotle, and right. work work our way forward from there. All right, but uh, you know, so you you power through. You go. You do the uh, you do the whole. Uh, so you get into the Greek philosophers and and then head into the Gnostic uh, Gnostic Gospels because that's a probably a pretty big lead into the Gnostic world. Uh, we actually didn't do much with the Gnostics, um, but we did like the Patristics, which early church fathers, second century, third century, okay. got into, um, got into Augustine, later get into Aquinas. And of course, Aristotle gets used by everybody, um, okay. as does, as does Augustine. So, so what was the... What's what's the biggest surprise from going through this two thousand years of history? So for you, like the biggest, you're like, I, I discovered this, you know, or you want to know what this was a beach of the pond they didn't know existed. Yeah, can, can um, evangelicals learn? Oh yeah, hundred percent. That was a joke. That was, come on, oh, can you? <laughs> I don't know. You're too serious right now. Sure. This isn't a <laughs> Is it possible for evangelicals to learn outside of their? Lead. I'm just, uh, you know. All right, you're you're just messing me up. You you're just messing. Oh, yeah, me up. you're too serious. You set, you set me up. <laughs> you were like uh, uh, my my two takeaways were that especially early on, you still had most of the political guidance being issued to kings, right? And uh, which is more akin to the biblical context than we are in a um, a popular sovereignty self-governance context and so any of that kind of counsel and wisdom we have we have to immediately translate it our own context as uh, self-governors um the second takeaway was that um throughout the history of christianity throughout the christian church history um those moments in history where the church has gone um well let's say uh has not been on the right side of history with, uh, say, taking advantage of the colonial militant empire kinds of stuff to Nazi Germany to abuse of Native Americans um, to the history of, of the slave trade. It wasn't the... The, the excuse that they, people were just people of their time fades pretty quickly because if you look hard enough in church history, there is almost always what you might call a minority report that basically says, stop, hey, guys, this is not going to turn out well, and here's why. And so you you keep discovering voices from each of those time periods where there are Christians who are trying to remain faithful and try to provide uh, a voice of correction to the the Christendom that's kind of wrapped up in political power to say and economic power to say, hey, guys, this is not uh, what our faith is about and we need to do something different here. Those voices obviously did not rule the day um, in the course of human history, but they're there and they remain faithful. So on the one hand, it's it's demoralizing because you can see where they those voices did not rule the day they did not they were not able to steer christianity away from um or those christian those christendom movements away from political power and economic power 
but they were there and they, they did remain faithful. So you discover voices like that when you're studying uh, church history. So that's my big takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I hammer you a lot on, on this stuff like slavery and, and, uh, and, and some of the Christian stuff that goes on. But the reality is, is that there was, uh, you know, uh, even what you when we talk about the, uh, the slavery in the South during the civil war, there was, there was, it was a Christian movement to eliminate it. Yeah. Uh, on, on morals on ethics and ethics and rules and morals, uh, moral grounds. And I think that that's un- overlooked a lot, you know, so, cause people like to talk about, I, I've been talking with a friend of mine about Hitchens and everything else and atheism. Everybody says religion is bad. And you know, it, it's, it, you know, re- you shouldn't have to do this and shouldn't do that. And religion, atheism is much better. And I think if you want to be an atheist, great. But uh, I think that there's, just as much good in religion as there is bad. And I'm speaking in generalities here. Uh, And, and I think, you know, you could, you could be passionate about just about anything and it turn you into something that, that you, that, that, that could hurt humanity. I think the problem is, is when I say I'm a pluralist, Japanese Muslim, I always kind of focus on the dignity of the human person. And I say that's universal throughout, whether you're religious or not, even if you're not religious, and this is Hitchens, I would say this, Essentially, we have good within us and we have we are guided by morals and ethics and rules. And depending on where we're born is what religion we are at. And that can always be uh, turn you to the dark side. But I think I think I think anything can turn someone to the dark side because we're both cap- we're capable of both. Yeah. But when it comes to comes to slavery in the South, there's so many people that were abolitionists. But then on top of that, there is this whole political movement. Uh, whether it was associated with abolitionism or not, that was that was based on Christian morals and values. There were a whole slew of people, Southerners, who fought against secession, uh, and uh, and they didn't prevail for a short time. Uh, but I think the problem that we're dealing with now is recon- after after the war reconstruction and the the um, the uh, uh, gives that were given to that were led on by the North to for for to reconcile led into Jim Crow led into uh, forcing the, the, the issue a hundred years later after the war had been, had been, had ended, which is, which is tragic. So, um, but yeah, so, all right. So you, so, so the, the, the end all is that evangelicals can learn. They can. Of course. Not, we everything doesn't come from just the one source. Okay. All right. So that's a thumbs up. That's a good one. <laughs> so, I don't know. We're going to get hammered on that one. I, I, I had another conversation about just, just ignore John's heckling guys. It's, 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 oh, all right. it's okay. I, we had another conversation cause we just, we were talking about forced conversion and the gentleman was talking about as an evangelical, he's a recovering yeah. ca- uh, Calvinist. And, uh, and he, we, he was saying, well, what about forced conversion in Islam uh, during Muhammad's day? You know, the, the prophet, mm-hmm. you know, peace be upon him, the family. And I said to him, look, you know, it was, there was no Muslims, at the beginning so it had to be very appealing and they had to reconcile with all, all the other faith groups around them and i would argue that forced conversion in the in, that happened post by would ha- was was really about empire building and so uh and a lot of those excuses came against you know came from a political motivation and economic motivation and so forced conversion in Islam is just, it is, it, 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 it is, it is completely against the core tenets. So, uh, and anyone who's, who's proceeding along those lines is violating a, one of the maxims in Islam. And that's it. It's, you might claim to be Muslim, but you're really tight teetering off the, the, the edge there, the cliff. So, yeah. so uh, you, that was an you see, you see forced conversions in that history, um, as as having been wrapped up in political power and it, it, issues of it, interests of political conquest. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's. I think I think a lot of. I mean, I think that there was there are some very similar. Let's take Afghanistan as a good example. The the, the forced conversion, the 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 the, the invasion into uh, uh, to forcibly convert Afghans, the Afghan community, the, the Afghan world, the Bactrian world, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the, it was a Afghanistan is predominantly uh, Buddhist in the south, and yep. Zoroastrian in the north. And the Buddhists 
what happens if you invade Buddhists? Generally, they don't fight unless you're in Burma and they just start murdering people, but or Miramar, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, but uh, uh, the Buddhists, you know, they 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 didn't put up a, such a, a substantial fight as a substantial fight as the Zoroastrians did. Zoroastrians are fighters, and uh, I think that that was an, a big economic and and political grab. And and it was and it's tragic that I mean these fire temples, which I mean the, 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 like how cool is that? Zoroastrians <laughs> have it. They have the fire. They have this, these fire temples were destroyed. It's terrible. And uh, but and uh, and they built mosques on top of them, much like Christians did in, in in let's just say South America. They destroyed these ancient temples and built churches on them. And the amount of intellectual property and the amount of just brains, just people that were like just slaughtered during these, these invasions under the auspices of expanding the empire, but using Islam as the excuse or Christianity's excuse, it's terrible. And uh, But those were good Christians doing that. And those were good Muslims theoretically doing that. And so the problem is, is that how do you, how do you unpack, I think, the idea of forced conversion and you know proselytizing in in the name of and thinking you're right and the other is wrong uh or we're right so god hates you so we can do whatever we want and uh i mean it's it's a it's a topic that comes up particularly because of terrorism right and uh mm-hmm. you know one of the most profound questions of our day whether we like it or not is religion and security and that's my business right or our business and then specifically Islam and security. And, uh, and so it comes up a lot, but it's interesting that you're going through 2000 years of history and you're kind of reconciling. There's like a, a ledger of all these events and it's, it's, it's tough sometimes to, to bear it, you know, as members of a community that's, that's faithful. Yeah. So. Because I mean, you want to, you want to ascertain a, an accurate um, look at history, right? You want to accurately reflect history while also trying to disentangle what the faith is versus what may have contaminated the faith or what the faith or what people in the faith got wrapped up in. Right. And, uh, we, it's, it's difficult to do both. Right. It's because as soon as you say, well, it was, you know, political, economic power, that kind of thing, that wasn't really our faith. Um, you might be able to argue that theologically uh, at the same time you did have the institutions of the church and church leaders um, join a lot of those kind of movements uh, in, in really, really unfortunate and shameful and we would say unbiblical ways. And so to t- kind of teach that, to teach that history, to teach that um, conflict is, is a hard thing to do without sounding like you're, you know, pushing the, the lever um, or the, the ledger one way or the other. Right. And, uh, we have to be able to have a sober understanding of history. It's gotta be accurate. Uh, while at the same time we can say, look, these folks were not acting in, in accordance with the Bible that I see here, uh, right. you know, on my desk. Um, and so, uh, we have to be able to, you know, it's, it's hard to do that in the social media truncated communication territory. Um, but we try to make an effort here at least. So starting now, we're going to be good. Starting now, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I generally I, just say, listen, if, if you're hurting somebody and you're not taking into consideration the dignity of a human person and you're using any type of religious doctrine or text or saying or anything to justify what you're doing, you're wrong. Simple as that. You know, that's kind of what... Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, and I, I go. I don't know why I have to say that. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but it. Well, but I, it, I've I've had to say it to Christians, Muslims. I've had to say it to you know the Hindus. I've had to say it all over the world. But during my career, I go. Why are you talking about burning a church down? Like, I can't. Like when you were starting the fire, you thought this was helpful. A a, a moral act. Even if they wronged you, you're not supposed to. There's a way. There's mechanisms. It's very explicit within Islam. If somebody does something, then there's very explicit. So um, I think we've. uh, Yeah. So I I, part of the reason why we're getting in this conversation is because I sent you over this article, and uh, you know I'm 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 riding high. Although 
I, I, because there's a couple of things I guess that's going on. One is, I think our update on the abortion ban, abortion bill, abortion law in Texas is that is that it it's gone it's going through the process, right? There's an appeal, yeah. and it's going through to the Texan Supreme Court, and no one knows if it's legal, right? So it's going through the process, um, and uh, which which is. I think uh, I think it's a win for both sides, to be honest with you. I think that anybody who says that uh, you know pro-choice or or, or pro-life, uh, I think both sides can can claim a victory because the process is working, even though one might be one the the, the law may may be uh, appalling to you know one side or the other is that is that the, the process is working. It's going to the courts. People are reviewing it. And the case, the first case is being reviewed. I mean, hopefully, it's like I said, I'm, I, I, it's difficult to, to, for me to try to tell somebody in America what to do. Uh, if they're, and so, and then I, from your perspective, you're killing life. But I think I shared on one of our podcasts, my personal, my, my, one of my personal experiences and I, and uh, with abortion and, and you know, per- personally, I'm against it. Um, but I'm also pro-choice because I believe that I, who am I to tell this guy what to do? Um, and so the, so the problem is, is like, I'd say I, I'm, I talk out of both sides of my mouth, although I do believe in the preservation of life. At least you're aware of it. At least you're aware that there's a tension. I just, that's, I'll be that's honest not with you. being resolved there. I wouldn't want to have to make a decision on, on whether or not to endeavor to abort a child. Um, and I, I'll, and as being somebody who had that in my life, I was not part of the decision. I, the decision was made and I had to just go along with it. And it was very traumatizing to go along with it. And so because of that experience, I, I personally, I, I don't believe in, in abortion by by choice so you know if there's rape or incest and all this stuff i kind of but if there's if there's a i i don't know how i could tell somebody how to act and i think that that or impose my view on somebody i think that's very very treacherous waters because whatever their logic model may be might be justified depending well on the but sh- but the imposition of views that that's what law is you put it in any other context. That's what the exercise of law is. It's the imposition of someone's views. So the question isn't if views will be imposed. It's the question of whose views and, and why they're there and, um, and how we how we get there, right? So um, any law that we would debate, said, said you take it into a different context outside of the, the, the abortion context, all laws are someone's imposition of religion. Spot. I think public politics has got a unique spot. I think if you just turn around, this is like, like I said, maybe. It's you know, unique. Like, it, it's, honestly, it's definitely unique. But the, the, the point is you, the, the imposition of anyone's views, like that's what politics is right i mean that that is creating laws interpreting laws we do this every day all day and so to to use that as a window or as kind of a a a route to not touch a particular issue like abortion um i mean you you have this you you have that argumentation uh during american slavery it's well well i wouldn't i wouldn't personally own a slave but i'm not going to tell others not to right um, you could, you could, you could use that rationale for a whole yeah. host of, um, bit of, you know, activities that, uh, should or should not be legal, uh, or moral. So just, I just want to drop a pebble in your shoe on that particular point. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, part of me feels like, well, like, what's the, like, what's the problem if it's Roe versus Wade is there, if you're anti-abortion, then you just don't get an abortion. If you're going to have a baby, if you're, if you are pro-choice, then, then you endeavor down that path. And, uh, and so the problem is once you say you, you, if you decide, if you don't give people the choice, then you're not, then you're not being respectful of their personal rights and their right to do what again, 
you know, like I said, if you're, what do you right to do what? I mean, you know, have an abortion. So right. So the 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 pro the pro choice position um, doesn't let us ask what we're doing. Um, it doesn't let us ask what is the unborn. When when does life begin? Right. Because it, well, but I think it, personally, it, it, it puts has a choice it, it, to do whatever they want with their bodies and the, and do whatever well, they want with. Well, that, you know, and that's that's a fundamental, yeah, you know, that's a fundamental question. Is like, who are you to tell is tell me is to a, stop drinking? Right. Um, well, is 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 coffee a, a, a person? Does it does coffee contain personhood? Um, I'm it, not sure that a religion defines what a person is. You know, if, if it in in, in its well, sense, but I mean. I'm just playing. Here's the thing. I, I'm gonna again sound so it's a non sequitur. I I have not introduced religion as an argumentation for this. Yeah. The well, question question is what is an un, an un, is the unborn? I know. I know. I mean, I know I'm a dignity human person guy. You know that. So, so when does that start? Here's the, I, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. I don't know. This didn't and start so out to be an abortion point, podcast, by the way. We were supposed to talk about proselytization. So you're right. proselytizing me on pro-choice. I'm proselytizing you on. I'm actually not proselytizing. I'm not. Uh, I, my my statement is that I'm sort of riffing on this because it's such so, it's such a difficult thing to unpack. Very, to me, it's very simple lines. So a person should be in charge of their bodies, and a person should be have the maintain be able to maintain the integrity of their personal freedom and choices because we're American and, and it, and it cascades into the global goal world. We invent personal freedoms. So, and I believe in dignity of the human person, which is all part of that. Sure. I think that, but I, and I have a personal experience with abortion that makes me just, I don't want to ever experience that again. And I really believe that that person was alive. Whether and and it has a, and I think it's more more than a, a medical thing, it's more of a feeling. It's more of an emotional response, right? So I, I'm not going to muddy the water in this, but, but because of of what's whether you know. So here we are, and we're we're talking about this because the abortion law is going is under review, and I still I think it's wrong to impose views. I think it's wrong though to legislate people's bodies and then religious personal and ethical beliefs i think that look if it's one i one of these things where if you believe that the, if, if we believe that death is hold on it's a hold, child, the, hold that thought just a second hold that thought sorry about that interruption i had my my five-year-old come ask me a question so so <laughs> I, I have a campaign i'm probably with her just for dessert first every single right. time so yeah, right, yeah. Right. dessert for so I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole. I, does life begin when the heart beats and the brain starts moving? Okay, I think that you know, I, I think the problem is is that we, if you don't allow it to happen, if you don't allow people to be free, then there's going to be a it's a cascading effect into other rights, right? And in this one, it's very, very important because it's life and death. So it becomes even tra- more treacherous once you start getting into the debate of, uh, and I'm dealing, I like I, in this conversation, I'm dealing with both sides, right? My it, internally, and then I'm dealing with you as I as no, there's life. This is how it is. It's not a religious thing. It's it's a moral thing. And I'm going well. It's not. It's not only a religious the, thing, but yes, it is a. It is a, a. It is a morality thing. It is not only a religious thing, which is sometimes uh, gets people confused. I've had this. Look, I've had I, that. I've had that experience before when uh, discussing uh, abortion and uh, biological um, understanding of life, and uh, someone uh, does this kind of what you did and said, "Well, I don't think uh, we should be imposing religious beliefs on people." And I'm like, well, "Like, I'm not the one that introduced religion here." Um, they kind of. Well, they but, kinda, that's a, but that's a kind of you know that's a kind of cop out. Well, you say you throw your hands up. Like it is a it is a an agenda part of the political agenda of of uh, it's particularly your tribe but the the Christian pantheon certainly and and there's and there's nothing wrong with that I mean like there's there's nothing like there's no, if we can't unpack it as it is uh, I, I, I look 
you know, as, as Muslim, like it's, there's very particular rules and there's a lot of specificity on what is acceptable and what isn't, you know, like I said, right. incest, rape and those sort of things. So, uh, and, and, and generally, um, you, you know, you, you, you want a child to come to term. So, so I don't know, you know, but, I, but if you're going to ask me to, to start making judgments on how people should live, particularly because we are, our, our rights are guaranteed and, you know, by the, by the constitution, which is a living document, it's not static. It means it can change and float back and forth. So if you're gonna, if, if, if what's going to happen in Texas is going to happen, people are still going to seek out abortions. Um, and, and people are going to, to do that legally and go to different States and so forth. But there's a lot, it's not just a, a cut and dry issue. I'm like I said, from my internal perspective i'm not even talking about you know how do you how do you how do you uh i'm not even talking about like some of the like the, the political sort of memes around it uh and how it's there's you know i was i, I was reading a whole article about how christians are are, are pro are anti-abortion because they don't want they don't they want to they want to birth as many children as possible and even if they go to the orphanages then they 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 want to raise them christian and so that increases the Christian population in America. That's crazy. Um, so, well, I'm just saying, like, this is out there. So that's incredible. You know, that's crazy talk. There, there's all there's all sorts of stuff that's out there. I know, that's but crazy we talk, talk. talk with the Muslim community all the time. So I, you know, I mean, I'm not digging on you. I'm just saying I'm reading all this stuff. And but you're, like, intru- you're introducing stuff from the internet that has zero grounding, talking, apart from maybe some here. really random, obscure sex. I'm just. Like I'm not gonna look. I was involved. Look, I was involved with with with, with, with like I, like every administration look, all the way down to Clinton. The Trump administration was making sure that that Christian orphanages could work in at, at the border and they could adopt refugees from overseas, but they were hindering any any kind of re, any other religion from from any other religious group that had. Uh, 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 what's it called? Um, uh, orphanages from operating. They were funding Christian orphanages because they said, "Well, if we're going to get refugees, even if they're Muslim, we'll bring them in and we'll." And that's we'll a come. that's we'll a stretch. You, if you can send me oh, no, send no, me no, your no, documentation on that. That's that that seems a stretch, a stretch. Even even for the even Absolutely for the Trump administration. Absolutely not a stretch. Afghan refugees. They were when they were pulling children away and everything else. I'm dealing with now where where the, the children that have been separated or just the children that came. They're hindering Afghan families and Af- and and Muslim organizations from allowing these adoptions to occur, and they're giving them to Christian adoption agencies. That's happening right now. It's not an exemption. It and this is something. This is all this so is, under under a Biden administration. It doesn't matter of the administration. This is a Biden administration, but it's happened. This is something that has happened over the course of time. And I, I you know, and like I said, right. this is something that I deal with. Like I'm on the front lines with it. Right. It happens right. a lot. And, and and I and I and my argument to the Biden administration was, whoa, 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 whoa. If and if this was if this was a Christian child that we were going to say was going to be raised by a Muslim organization, you guys would be freaking out. So I was like, it's now it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't. You, so I tell you so, what, and put, I'm sorry. This put is it, one of the put, it, put a pin in it. Right put a pin in it. And we'll let me do some show prep on that. Because okay, this, this, this all sounds very suspicious. I can, all, have some, all, I can have people speak on it. I can have a, I can have a lawyer speak on it right now. Come online and speak about it. All right. We'll talk about how, I just, this and is, it is the Biden administration that's hindering that stop. That's hindering it. But the mechanisms that are in play is, well, we've got these children. We've got to care about their welfare. You want to know what? These are the, the organizations that have capacity. So let's give it to them. Right. And they're hindering the Afghan community from uh, uh, stewarding these children in the meantime, at least, and then trying to seat them with appropriate families. It's okay. really sucks, man. It just, yeah, uh, but I don't mean well, to yell at you because, well, and I, I'm, I I'm to, aware I of, on this. look, I'm aware, I'm aware of for years, um, now on, on problems with, um, migration, particularly at the border and what, um, what nonprofits are permitted to do work and what permit what nonprofits are permitted to engage that space and care for children. And it's a mess, um, but it's uh, largely a mess because of, of 
policy details and pol- and legislation that hasn't been updated in a sufficient in a recent time period to match the the details on the ground and so i so but that's a different problem than christian organizations cornering the market on adoption so they can have more christians that's that's nuts i think i think i think that we're talking about a couple of different things. So the exactly. one was my, but well, the one was the thing I was poking you with, which was that. And then, the, then, then we're talking specifically about not about about taking orphan, orphan or unattended ch- children, and then br- and to bring them into the fold and raise them as Christians, which is a completely different thing when they're refugees and coming and hindering uh, existing communities. To the, you know, for example, in the example that I have right now is the Afghan community to adopt um, or steward those children appropriately. That sure. is like, and so I'm dealing with right now, and I and I, I'm, I'm sure it's a mess. I'm, I'm like freaking out about it. It's and it, it is a mess, and it is. It's it's. I wasn't thinking about whether it's Biden or Trump or or you know the Republicans or Democrats or whatever. It's just that the mechanisms to to the mechanisms that are there are much easier for these existing organizations. Sure. And there are existing organizations on the Muslim side, but the problem is, is like it, it, that there's adoption in the Muslim community is weird. There's a, there's some nuances there. And so, um, but there's, there's families here that can accept these these children. They're not letting letting them do it. And there's, we're talking about like a huge group of people and a lot of money and a lot of stuff, and they can't get any inroads. They're calling me. And I, and what I was like, what, what do I know about, what do I know about refugee children? What do I know yeah. about, you know, like I, I do a lot yeah. of stuff, but there's some stuff that's like, no, well, they're really well. They're only like, I kind of, yeah. Well, and, and in the U S the, the, it's a really short list, maybe like nine or so uh, institutions, not nonprofits that are more or less to use a word um, inaccurately, but certified basically to handle refugee resettlement. And so there's a capacity issue um period um, across all, all those uh, in that whole sphere already. And I remember back it's tough. When, when during the Obama administration, when you had um, the unaccompanied minor um, problem uh, down at the border, there were lots of Christian churches that wanted to engage and help watch after these kids. But the arrangement uh, the legal legal obligations for both the U.S. federal government and then also um, the statutes and whatever grant restrictions, um, they required your institution to have a certain capacity uh, yeah. and, uh, for number of children and also, um, you know, how many days you could watch them and then they had to be in your care and then, you know, they're legal, they've got to you know, come back for legal processing and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a real mess and, and complex and a complicated thing. So I hear you when you say like particularly new, new and or small institutions and nonprofits who want to get in that space. Um, the hurdles are pretty high, but that I have a hard time, um, believing that it's any kind of, uh, religious, um, discrimination or, um, or anything like that. It's just, it's a mess of a situation and our federal government is not going to do anything to fix it right now because Congress. Well, I mean, is not I, leading. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, anything is going to fix, but I think that there's a, there is, there is a concerted effort to, to make sure that I don't think that they're looking at, 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 at the at children's welfare and looking at a cultural, at, at a cultural, ethnic, and religious context to when refugees come here, and maybe that's because the, the 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 entire process is a mess. But in this particular instance, which I'm not heavily involved in normally in in my career and haven't been, found out that there's this preference to move Afghan children to this these Christian care organizations rather than with members of their own families uh, or members within the community that are willing to accept them and uh, and steward them in the meantime or or be wards for them in the future, which is yeah. proper proper terminology within the Muslim community. So because you don't adopt, you can take care of, but this it's a whole nother song and dance. So um, but it, it's and I, I was I 
is appalled to figure it out. And then when I'm talking to these officials, they're like, well, why? What's the problem? So I go, well, if the child stays, first of all, why wouldn't, they, why wouldn't it be with somebody who can speak their language? Why wouldn't it be with that? You know, and you start getting into this type of thing, who understands their cultural context, understands their faith, understands all this stuff. And they're like, well, I don't know, with Barrett Christian, but what's the difference? I'm like, well, inherently, there is, if they're, <laughs> there's a proselytizing component to it. And then it becomes coercive conversion uh, or predatory proselytizing, which is Maybe. something we're against, what the article is about, Maybe. which we were supposed to talk about. And then that, what's that? But see, there you, you have a government official who sounds to me it's not so much um, pursuing a Christian end to all this, but is is so religiously um, uh, illiterate that he doesn't recognize it's, that, that, does, that that's a thing. Right. He's like, what's the difference? But that's the right. That, and that, but there, but that's, therein lies the issue is like, is that, and you're right about this. So government officials need to have the, the, they need to have the stones to make the right, the more the right decisions when it comes to stewarding refugees. But if they don't have the backing to understand that, the, the cultural context or the subject matter expertise, that's an issue. But there are those groups that are out there that are ready to do what I was talking about. So they're out there. And that's and that's the problem. That's part of the problem, too, is like they're the preferred entities and we know who they are and what they're about. So that becomes that becomes the issue. And that so the the topic of this conversation was supposed to be whether or not what was it? Uh, I can't remember the article, but it was about proselytizing whether whether or not it creates religious, whether it creates violence, violence. And that was the context. So we talked a little bit about that, but maybe we'll do a part two about that article. I don't know, because we're yeah, I know we took some time. Yeah, we're long on time, but we could agree. So the article that you sent me um, <clears throat> posed, you know, would would, would 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 religious proselytization would stopping the practice of religious proselytization help reduce religious violence? And of course, the the key question is there. Well, what is proselytization? And uh, and you got and you and the argument is so. And this is you. This is our world. Was religious freedom was freedom to believe, not believe, and practice right, and then conversion was always kind of over here and it's been moving closer and closer to religious freedom because the argument from your tribe is proselytizing is part of the religion it's part of our practice evangelism is evangelism. part of our well, practice yeah so evangelism so so which i'm depends I, so again it depends on a good argument about that but but the well, problem it's, I mean, it's in our scripture. Like, it's a, it's a proclamation and it's an invitation, um, and so it's not, it's not coercive. Think that you're right, and and everybody and has a license to think that they're right. Your religion are based on Pauline doctrine, which is not. He wasn't a prophet. It wasn't a, a prophet. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was just making it up as he goes it's along. Not, so it's not it's based on. It predates Paul by at least a thousand years. The Psalms we've got pro- proclaiming proclaiming and singing about the Lord. We've got to have this Paul conversation. It, Otherwise, you can have the Paul conversation. I'm telling you, you can take Paul out of the entire mix and you still have a missionary religion. Frankly, frankly, one that I could argue predates Jesus of Nazareth. Psalm 96, for example, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. A thousand years before before Paul and Jesus. Jews weren't converting. That wasn't their jam. The Hebrews weren't converting. And then the Jewish Jesus movement was not about conversion. It was about restoring the adherence to the law. And then only after, there's, only there's after always... Jerusalem is sacked, then, and then this becomes a Gentile religion. And then only be a big, and then Judaism becomes rabbinic. What do you, and what do, you do with Jonah? What do you do with Jonah? And they discard the law. They discard it. And then you pick and choose what's good for you. And then you say oh, everything's predated, and you back you backdate everything. I'm looking at an aged text. You got the Psalms. You've got what do you think Jonah's role was to Nineveh? You know, I, I, I get it, but that was that was a closed door activity. Any of that? What do you, there it is, what do you mean closed door activity? Done. Over. When what do you mean Jonah? closed door act? What do you mean closed door activity? There are multiple books in in the Minor Prophets. That are all about proclaiming God to Jonah was a Christian. not non-Jewish nations. Jonah was a Christian, right? He's a Jew, exactly. There we are. So this, this you're not it's, you're not a Jew. 
What are you talking about? You're not a Jew, right? So all this stuff that ta- all this stuff that happened within the Jewish faith is is part of the Jewish faith, right? Right. And so I'm. What do you mean? What am I talking? About? I'm talking about how this was a Jewish religion, right? It was right. A Jewish faith, and the Jewish faith was was being restored by Jesus, and so was a Jewish faith. The Jewish Jesus movement was still a Jewish movement. It only changes. It only changes when Israel ceases, or the Israelites get get hammered by the by the Romans, and then it becomes a Gentile faith. It changes in ethnicity, it changes in culture, it changes in in doctrine, and then evolves into Christianity. It, it so, definitely does. It does definitely does change in ethnic makeup with the introduction and the expansion of. Um, uh, the faith to the Gentiles, but again, the, the, but the, the going forth, the sharing of the news, the proclaiming God's word predates Paul and it predates Jesus. Right. But what news is, and that's what we, that's where we get at what news and what faith. So it was, when you say Jonah, you're indigenizing Jonah as a Christian no, rather I, than I said, my, no, I said, I was saying that the the evangelistic nature of the Christian faith predates when we were called Christians. It's it was part of the Hebrew faith early on. And that's why I cited Jonah as part of that Hebrew evangelistic tradition. His whole mission to go to Nineveh was to tell to was to be Jewish and tell the people of Nineveh to repent and follow God, which they did. Which, uh, to, um, and he didn't want to, which is such a great. And story, he didn't right? want to. It's a great story. He he's he's he mopey and, and he he wanted it. Right, exactly. It's a fascinating <laughs> study. And then, and then too, like he was, it was like to his chagrin, he was like, no, they didn't get spies. Like they accepted. What's going on? So I, I, he I, didn't didn't think that they were worthy. He fought against it. He eventually went and did his job. He proclaimed God to the Ninevites, and they repented. And he went up and sat on the hill waiting for God's destruction. <laughs> I know, I love it. I God it. was like, "Are you you comfortable there? Are are you?" you I think it's really hanging funny. out. <laughs> I think it's really funny the whole Jonah story. All right, so like, and this is a perfect example of how uh, we could get into this, and then we're still joking. Okay, so let's 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 do a, a what's it called on this? Let's go back and forth on this. Let's continue this. Yeah. Um, on, on another. Look, I, I'm comfortable if we can if we can use the different words. I'm comfortable with the different distinction um, as. Uh, on this article that you sent me that's in the show notes um, that was kind of a, a, a multiple yeah, people I mean, replied like... to it. I, there's a, a pastor of a first Presbyterian church that uh, says, um, first, I understand the difference between proselytizing and evangelizing. And if, if that's what we're talking about, I'm comfortable with proselytizing um, indicating some form of coercion or unethical practices, uh, as long as there's a separate definition for evangelism, faith sharing, um, telling of the good news that's invitational, that. that's a proclamation, a it's invitational. As long as we have those categories, I'm totally okay discussing um, problems with proselytization. Proselytization even happens it's a word for, that could be used within Christian circles to mean um, we're trying to proselytize you into my particular brand of Christianity, right? If we're, you're, if we're trying to get uh, Catholics to be a Protestant or a Methodist to be a Baptist, um, you know, certainly we believe in freedom of religion and freedom of conscience for Christians to discuss that. Right. Um, and, uh, but to kind of like impose, try to, try to coercive, you know, it, it engage in kind of coercive behavior, um, you know, guilting people into something, um, you know, trying to expand the ranks of a particular denomination. Or, or, or like, you know, holy church. services and, 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 you know, or, and, and, uh, you know, wants and, and our needs in front of something, you know, dangling them and saying, like, I've, I, I dealt with this with the Afghan withdrawal. There was a, a very large Christian group that was saying, well, we can get you a ticket on the plane if you convert. Yeah. And that would you know, be to Afghans. I mean, like, I, as you know, and I'm sitting there going, what are we talking? Like, are, you, as, are these people being serious? So they're not even prioritizing people that had to go They're yeah. they're This is a large organization that can fund planes and, and, uh, and can, and was negotiating essentially paying off 
the Taliban to let these planes come in and land. And then they were saying, we'll give you a free ticket if you if you and your family convert to Christian to being the yeah. main Christian. That was direct predatory proselytizing. Yeah, that's that's predatory. Right? So people want to save their families. They're on, in peril. And they're saying that. And so I dealt with I dealt with three planes, three planes with 600 people a plane. You know, I, I, so that's eighteen hundred souls saved to, to what they're saying to me. And I go, well, what? Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's your pri- that's predatory. So and so I'm a little bit hot on the a lot because I'm dealing with it. I was been dealing sure. with it for two months and I've been other things fall down because of it. Right. And uh, it's like, why do I have to deal with this? Like, just you want to be a good Christian, just save somebody and then worry about the math later. <laughs> I don't know, you know, yeah. and, and why not celebrate that you saved? Like, that's what my thing was at the American Islamic Congress. When we saved up, was it, so we, we were, we intervened on the, uh, a Baha'i um, that was being, that was in prison in, in, uh, in Egypt, uh, a cop in, in Egypt, and then, and then an Ahmadi, one of the Ahmadi community that was in the UAE. And so I intervened on all these, and I, one of the things was, is I go, well, how great is it to say as a Muslim that we save someone from another faith? Just because, and and I don't care if they decide that they like us or not. It's the right thing to do. It's dignity of the human person. Right. Yeah, but I think you're discarding that when you're predatory. You know, I think you're, yeah. you're, I think you're, right. you're, you know, you're getting back into that. Save them. It was with the it was Amer- with the American natives. It was there was a phrase. It was kill the Indian, save the man. You know, bring them to church. You know, kill the Indian. Yeah, save something like that. Save the person. And I just and and that philosophy still exists. Right. You know, it's like. Kill the Muslim, save the person. You know, kill the Muslim, save the family. You know that type of thing. And well, and you can and even I, and I think even if it's not, yeah, it, and even if it's the caution for you know Christian evangel- evangelicalism, um, even if it's not intended, um, when you go into a country that is really impoverished and really has material needs, like really tangible material needs, um, then even if you're even just the offering of material goods, clothes, fooding, that kind of thing, um, you can you can do it without being coer- intentionally coercive. But because people are so defer- desperate for care and material needs, they will listen to anything and they'll say yes to anything, right? Yeah. And so you have you have both the overt coercion that that like you, I agree with your analysis there. You also have kind of an un, unintent you you risk having an un, unintentional uh, coercion um that we saw we i we went a couple times with a group to haiti and um we wanted we wanted to share jesus um and the gospel with people and we also wanted to meet material needs for people who are legit impoverished um third world quote unquote um uh tier things i mean they don't you know they don't don't have running water um electricity is rare i mean you're really stepping back in time with people who are you know they're you know burning burning stuff to cook with burning stuff to eat their homes um and uh you know we tried we we did some material needs stuff but very like quietly like very like not out in the public square like come come here come listen to what we're saying and we'll give you free stuff right because there's that element uh, when when people are so desperate for stuff and so um, Christians have to be really really cautious um, by not taking advantage of those situations too um, because it, it devalues the gospel and it devalues the message and it um, you you risk kind of getting people to say yes to things that they don't really mean and, and often may not understand and so um, developing relationship and knowing people and uh, being some place for a long term <clears throat> really really makes a difference um, and helps you avoid um, the coercion thing. Look, um, we talk about Roger Williams in the religious liberty space a lot of times. He was a sometimes Baptist guy. You've, you're probably annoyed from hearing his name. Uh, he was the founder of Rhode Island, but he was a guy who who he he had the conviction to not share, not try to um, evangelize American yeah, Indians at the time until he like learned their language and learned their culture. Um, and so that was, you know, an earlier example of kind of an ethical, uh, an approach to an ethical way of, um, sharing the gospel with, um, well, your, people your boy, the, your Francisco de Vitoria, 
Yeah, you know, right. he's your boy now. Yeah, well, yeah. Last, last week I discovered a, a, a kind of a minority voice in the in in the era of Spanish colonialism. Um, guy really? lived around uh, kind of around 1500, and he was a Spanish Dominican theologian, and uh, he his rhetoric was basically challenging a lot of the presumptions, a lot of the rights that the Spanish kingdom was presuming that they had when they um, discovered the Americas and were engaging with indigenous populations. Um, some of Francisco's writing and terminology uh, are, aren't things we're totally comfortable with nowadays. He refers to them as barbarians and that kind of thing. Um, but he does foresee a problem with linking up Christianity with this political power and cautioning even the political power about exactly what rights they have when they enter in a new land like that. Um, and I think, you know, reviewing some of his rationales, he, he draws some conclusions about, um, national rights and sovereignty that I wouldn't be comfortable with, but, uh, he did caution against, um, pro what, what we might term today, a kind of proselytization. Um, and that, uh, with with some some interesting rationale that basically said, look, reason demands that before you, you accept anybody's word, you you got to know you got to know that your source is credible, and be like right. those people don't know whether we're credible or not, so you can't expect them to just take it um, uh, take it on the front end that that uh, the gospel is true because they don't know who we are and whether or not we're credible, and uh, to abuse them in any kind of way cuts against our credibility. So, um, yeah. So Francisco Vittoria, um, oh, yes. was an interesting you're, voice. He's your boy. You're, you're, it's really, you're, it was actually kind of cute. You were, you were brought him up and you were go back and forth and, and we were talking about this one. So we're like, you know, it, and it's, it is, it's like get to know your audience. And so if you're going to evangelize, if that's your jam, then, you know, just, I take your, you know, proceed, you know, lightly that this, you want to get somebody to, to you want to get the squirrel to eat out of your hand, you don't want to make any big movements, large movements. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but uh, but in any event, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know it's it's gets uh, we we we're we are way off topic, but but it is a good combo. Right. So I appreciate it's a good you. combo. It's been a while since we talked. Yeah. All right. Have fun, my friend. Yeah.